With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rank, and I'll be your host for today's show. And I'm by myself, but that's that's okay. I kind of like talking to you guys one-on-one here, and I hope you guys enjoy listening, whether it's on Blog Talk Radio, YouTube, not really Twitter, but we have a Twitter at Most Variable Pod. I'm at Rankin906. You should follow me. That's where all the good content is. If you want to listen to the full-length podcast behind the pen or any other full-length podcast we provide at mostvariablepodcast.com, go to blogtalkradio.com backslash Podcast. We got everything for you, college football, NBA, NFL, MLB. I mean, I, I cover most of the MLB here on Behind the Pen my favorite sport and I'm going to talk some LB today specifically my favorite team and I'm a little bit biased here but that's okay the World Series champions Chicago Cubs I'm going to mention that I'm going to get into Chicago Bears I'm also going to talk Chicago Bulls if you couldn't tell this is a Chicago Homer type podcast and that's okay thank you all for listening we really do appreciate it YouTube most valuable podcast be sure to like subscribe comment below let us know how stupid we are that's cool we enjoy it we we take your constructive criticism and we apply it to our lives, and sometimes we don't care. Most of the time, it's me who doesn't care. But still, thank you guys for being a part of the team. We do it for you. Hope you guys can enjoy this episode of Behind the Pen. I want to start today with the Chicago Bulls. Because we're 30 games into the regular season already, in the 2016-2017 season. I'm just like, wow, this stuff is flying by. You know, going back before really the winter hit, you know, in the fall. I was so excited for Chicago Bears football, but obviously they're a dud. And I, you know, this offseason, I was furious with the way the Chicago Bulls run their operation. But was I surprised? No, because really the Chicago Bulls stay in the realm of mediocrity on purpose so they can. Well, I'm going to get into that in a second. And like I said, I'm going to talk about Chicago Cubs baseball as well, because I haven't talked about the Cubs since Ricky and I did a full length Cubs podcast after they won the World Series, which was incredible. Hope you guys can check that out. We still have that on mostvaluablepodcast.com. So let's dive into this Bulls conversation first, however, okay? Because, hmm, hmm, what can I say about the Chicago Bulls? Well, one, really, I guess this is what should be expected. You know, they're they're pretty much what we expected, and that's around 500. Currently 14-14 and 14 on December 22nd. Oh, by the way, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy New Year, and Happy Holidays to... All of you listening and whatever you celebrate, I hope you know the season brings you joy because obviously it's the best time of year. Um, but yeah, I just want to throw that out there. December twenty second, uh, the day I record this podcast, we talk to Chicago Bulls. They're fourteen and fourteen, currently seventh in the Eastern Conference. And that's also another topic I kind of want to touch on in this in this little segment here is what's going on with the East, right? Because I was under the impression that it was supposed to be much more improved here, but I mean, I look at the standings now. What separates the third seed and the seventh seed is just two games. And the eighth seed, ninth seed, and tenth seed by two and a half and three games. And I mean, all of these teams are 
technically in it. I know it's not even the All-Star break. It's not even close, right? We're still very early on into the NBA season. However, there are times where teams kind of emerge and solidify themselves as legit. Like, obviously, the Cavaliers, that's a given. The Raptors are the Raptors. They're going to be there as well. But how interested are you in the Celtics? You know what I mean? And the Hornets, I mean, they're defensive heavy first. The Knicks show up one night. They, you know, they disappear the next. You know, obviously, you have all of these they, high, high level talented players there. I and mean, Derrick Rose still got game. Christoph Porzingis, he's legit, obviously. Carmelo Anthony, what can I say? Top 10 player in the NBA. Joakim Noah, you don't know what you're going to get from him. Being a Bulls fan, you know what I mean? But it's like, what do you get? What do you got there? I don't really necessarily take the Knicks seriously, but they're, I guess, a playoff team. You have to consider them a playoff team, right? And the Pacers. Pacers go out and and, and do some things in the offseason. You know, they acquired Jeff Teague, which was, in my opinion, a huge move for them as well, right? Thaddeus Young. I mean, and Paul George, one of the best two-way players in the NBA. He, well, he should be. I mean, Paul George has been, eh. So I don't know. And the Bulls are, are looking up at all of those teams. The Hawks, bleh, they're bad. The Milwaukee Bucks. How about the Milwaukee Bucks, ladies and gents? You look at this Eastern Conference, and you're telling me if you had to pick one team out of the East that's not the Cavs, and really the Raptors and Celtics are going to be there for a while. Other than that, I'm looking at the Milwaukee Bucks right now. It's going to take a minute, you know, a year or two. But you talk about some of the players that the Milwaukee Bucks have in terms of young talent in the future of the Milwaukee Bucks, yeah, they're scary. If I'm the Bulls, I'm like, okay, well, they're probably going to run the table for years. And I say that because I bring this. I want to bring this up early in this show. Is that I, I look at player efficiency in the NBA this year, uh, and it, it's kind of interesting to me. Really, I look at this, and if I had to ask you who the best player in terms of overall efficiency that goes into defense, shooting, you know, valuable minutes, assists, you know, not fouling out, you know what I'm saying? If you put that all together and you talk about individual game value, if you're ranked in a, 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 after a performance in an NBA game, you tell me 30 games into the season who the best player in the East was? Obviously, it, obviously you would say LeBron, but other than LeBron, who would you, who would you, who comes to mind? Because the best player in the East, according to the value system here on team rankings, is Giannis Antetokounmpo. I hope I said that right. It was, was difficult. I remember Stacey King trying to pronounce this dude's name. Butchered it completely. It was one of the first games in the NBA. So it was hilarious. But it's Antetokounmpo, guys. He's fifth. Above him, it's Kevin Durant. James Harden, Anthony Davis, and number one is Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is doing something the NBA really hasn't seen by an individual player in a long time. This dude is commanding the floor, triple doubles every other night, outperforming his opponents single-handedly. It's incredible. But I just wanted to throw that out there as well. You have LeBron. DeMarcus Cousins is seven. Was, boy, what about that mouth guard incident too? He just spits it at the Portland bench, and then he gets kicked out, comes back in, say, oh, it was an accident. He was talking, and it fell out of his mouth. No way. Absolutely not. You watch the video, it's clear as day. He spit it at whatever. You know, we're not talking. I, I digress a lot. I'm behind the pen. I hope you guys can bear with me. I'm going to get to the Bulls in a second, but I wanted to preface this conversation with just kind of this conversation first. 
Nine is Jimmy Butler, by the way, according to player efficiency and ratings. Now, I don't necessarily agree. Jimmy Butler is a top 10 NBA player. Okay, you can come at me all you want. I don't think he's there yet. I'm not saying that he can't get there. I think a reason why he can is because of his work ethic. We saw that throughout early in his career, how he developed his jump shot, and then he extended it to the three-point game of of his own. Then he was able to beat his man off the dribble by himself, create his own opportunities, right? So Jimmy Butler is definitely superstar potential, but right now he's just a complimentary guy on a legitimate contender, which the Bulls are not. Now let's talk about the Bulls, please, because let's get into that. So the Chicago Bulls go into the regular season with this idea that they're going to be competitive. And in this Eastern Conference, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, somebody should be fired, which is not going to happen. However, maybe I'm a little hard and a little harsh, but I look really in the short term, relatively. In the last three drafts, you come out with McDermott, you come out with Bobby Portis, and you come out with Denzel Valentine. Okay, now, I think it's a little early, obviously, to jump off the bandwagon of Denzel Valentine, because there's, and I'm going to talk about him in a second, because there's reasons why he's not getting many minutes with the Chicago Bulls right now. And then you look at Bobby Portis. I don't know, guys. I don't know about Bobby Portis. How is he going to find minutes? You know, productive minutes. I, I don't know. But McDermott, I like McDermott. However, it's obvious he can't play defense, and he was actually embarrassed against the Timberwolves because Thibodeau was like, oh, go get him. Whenever McDermott's on the floor, if you look, it's just ISO against McDermott. They get a switch on the guy they want, whatever they do, and then they just clear the lane, clear the floor, ISO against McDermott, and he'll get beat every time. So that's that's kind of a flaw, a big one, in McDermott's game, and that restricts him in big-time minutes. Right, And it sucks for Hoiberg, too, because Hoiberg's going to have to complement that, and they know it. The Bulls staff knows it. right? They can't put McDermott out there in a big-time spot late in the game, needing a defensive stop. He's not going to be on the floor. So you have to rely on guys like Nikola Mirotic. And Mirotic, these complementary players. Now, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not saying this roster isn't talented, because they have some pieces, obviously. right? But if you're relying on complementary guys like Mirotic and McDermott specifically... When they're on, they're good. The Bulls are good. However, for the most part, they're they're just not. Right? And Miritich, is it his third season? He played a lot overseas as well before coming to the NBA, so it's not like he's still transitioning here. This guy has been playing the game for a long time. He should be able to find his role. But in the Bulls, you just can't. I, I don't know what he he does. I mean, obviously he's a stretch forward. And if he if he's off in his shooting game, he's pretty much... Uh, invaluable, or well, that's actually being like super valuable. You know what I mean? Not valuable. You can't play him. So I look at this Bulls roster as a whole, and I do feel bad for Hoiberg. I do. He gets criticized a lot, and he he's he's put to blame for a lot of the Bulls struggles, specifically last year. You know, you could be as hard as you want on Hoiberg last year because it's true. You know, first year NBA head coach didn't have any control of the locker room, had to deal with a lot of kind of characters there. But they cleared out some, you know, some thorns in his side. However, management didn't really help him out here in year two. Although I do see, and I think 
a lot of people can agree, a change of pace and a somewhat of the style of offense that Hoiberg wanted to instill in the in the Chicago Bulls, we're seeing it, right? We're seeing transition. That's that's what he was coming out of college. That's what he was in Iowa State. Push the floor, transition basketball, spread it out, shoot the three, light them, light them, light them up, and and run, run, run. And he said that in his press conference. That's what he wanted to do. He doesn't have the personnel to do that, and that goes to Garpax. He's not. They're not giving him the appropriate players to run the system. And I brought up Denzel Valentine earlier. This is what I mean. You draft a guy in talented Denzel Valentine. He, I like him. I like the pick. However, his game is strictly a facilitator. That's where he makes his money, running the floor. He's got great court vision, and that was his draft scout uh, scouting report. You look at it, and he says, yes, he will find the open man, create opportunities. He can't beat his man one-on-one. He's not really a good spot-up shooter off his screen, and that's what the Bulls are asking him to do, and that's the main reason why he's not seeing much minutes. You know what I'm saying? So it sucks. I want to see the younger players like Jerry and Grant as well get some more time. But it's difficult. And a lot of the reason why the Bulls need to have success, well, have success when, they, when they're when they winning, it's largely based on Rajon Rondo's performance. And I hate to just single out a specific player, but he's got so much influence on this team. And I'm as hard as anyone on, on Rondo. And I want to be as objective as possible here. I don't like him. I will say that right now. I don't like him. However, I can't not say that he provides some sort of value to this team because he does. He's a he's great. He's got great vision. Obviously, he creates opportunities for his teammates. But he's got to take responsibility, especially since he's in control of the flow of the game. Now, sometimes he just disappears. He just seems lethargic. He's uninterested and he takes unnecessary gambles on the the defensive end. Speaking of defense, he can't really play it. You know what I mean? And obviously he can't shoot. So it's it's how he runs this offense. It really translates to to the rest of the club. Obviously he's going to push the floor. Sometimes he just gets lost in the paint. You know, he drives a lot. He puts his uh, team, dribbles out the shot clock, puts his team in a tough spot. Plus, he's got to get back on defense. I don't know. I'm a little critical on Rajon Rondo, but he hasn't really been much. So, hopefully, after this year, we see something that we can, like, really key on at the point guard position where we can say, okay, we got something here. Because Rajon Rondo is just a filler for now. Isaiah Cannon, you shoot like 17% in December. Brutal. Michael Carter Williams is going is hurt, but once he comes back, guys are going to sacrifice minutes, and that will include Valentine and and uh, Jerry and Grant as well. So this Bulls team right now, obviously they're going to be competitive. They have you know something going here, but the complementary players I'm looking at, it's just I don't they're not, it's not there. They need impact guys in the draft. They need more draft picks, and I was. I was uh, I didn't like the direction that the Bulls were going when they when they decided to to stick with Rondo and stick with Wade. I uh, I'm I was really upset about the Dwayne Wade signing, but not because he was added to like not because of his talent. 
right? Because I know Dwayne Wade's still a good player, and I know what he offers to the Chicago Bulls outside of the court and behind the scenes in the locker room and, and things like that. I get it, and we see it. The Bulls are really relying on Dwayne Wade to be a productive player, and he has been just that. He and Jimmy Butler have been this team, along with Taj Gibson and some consistent performances by Robin Lopez, which I'm impressed with as well. It's just you look at this, the, the direction of the Bulls. I didn't think the, I didn't think it was a it was the good route to go, specifically Rondo. I'm going to keep saying it, but I, I digress. I know what the Bulls are doing. They're 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 trying to stay relevant. And you talk, especially going into the offseason, they talk to free agents. And they say, listen, come to Chicago, this historic franchise, this, this, you know, obviously Michael Jordan, this legendary lore of the Chicago Bulls. And we've been in the playoffs how many consecutive years? You know, major market team, join us. It's just you got, they got to, they got to spend the money. And how often has that happened? Not often. And how often has top, and free agents come here. Not often at all. Dwayne Wade came to the Chicago Bulls because really he didn't want to go anywhere else. The Heat weren't going to bring him back. He wasn't going to go to Denver. He wasn't going to go to Milwaukee. So obviously he would come back to the Bulls. And the Bulls gave him a nice payday. But it's not like they emptied their their wallets on this guy. It was a pretty solid deal for, for what you're getting right now for Dwayne Wade. So this Bulls team strictly mediocre right now at this point. And I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon. I want to see some sort of direction. They're still stuck. Younger and more athletic, huh? I'm seeing pretty much the same thing. I'm seeing slight improvements in the way Fred Hoiberg wants to run their offense. But overall, just as I expected, really, 500. Fighting for the 6th, 7th, or 8th spot in the East, that's going to be the story for the Bulls all season long. And whatever, right? I mean, at this point... It's it's upsetting. It really is. I was so ready for the rebuild to go. And if that meant trading Jimmy Butler for a guy like Chris Dunn or acquiring draft picks, I was okay with it. Or Zach Levine, I would have been okay with it. What? We got to we got to take what we can get right now and what we can get is ugh. and this entire east going back to my original point. This entire east has been wow. Just ugh. Kind of underwhelming, kind of underwhelming. But overall, Chicago Bulls, same story, same as always. I'm sure I'm going to revisit this topic later on this season. The Bulls are so fun to talk about. Something's going to happen. I didn't even mention the fact that Rajon Rondo already got into a fight with an assistant. But he's taking accountability. I saw in a post-game press conference today that it's up to him to you know, make sure that he's responsible for what he's responsible for. And he's taking account that he hasn't been so far this season. So... Good on him, but same old story, guys. Chicago Bulls, what else is new? All right, I want to talk now. I hope you guys enjoyed that Bulls conversation. If you're sticking around on blogtalkradio.com backslash most valuable podcast, thank you very much. What we're going to do now is move on to the Chicago Cubs because I love talking Chicago Cubs baseball with you, and I hope you can stick around for the entirety of this podcast. If not, if you're on YouTube, what's up, guys? I appreciate you checking in. This Chicago Cubs team is World Series champions, by the way. And I believe they're still the favorite, in my opinion, strictly in my opinion. They're still the favorite in the National League to make it to the World Series again. To win the, uh, another pennant. But this is going to be a different team than 2016. And the 2017 Cubs, 
for a lot of reasons, are going to be uh, interesting, I would say. But they're still really good. They're still the best team in the National League, in my opinion. However, you lose Jason Hamill, and I know he didn't really have he didn't have any impact at all on the playoffs. But you look at the longevity of a 162 game regular season. Hamill was a rock in that rotation. But you lose him, and good for the Cubs. Good on the Cubs for allowing him to work the market in free agency and allow him to choose where he wants to go instead of the Cubs, you know, moving him and trading him against his will. So. That was a that was a nice little gesture by the Cubs. Uh, but going into this season, and we look at the moves that they've made already, it's been strictly pitching, guys, and that's probably the most important thing. That you look at this Cubs team specifically in their bullpen. I think right now the Cubs, one of their weaknesses is maybe the the back end of the rotation, and. That bullpen, they got to do something. This bullpen, I'll tell you right now, is not going to be the same bullpen at the end of the season. It rarely ever is in any team's bullpen, really. But this one specifically, I look at the Chicago Cubs, and they made a move. They got Koji Uehara. He's a savvy move, not bad. Brian Dunsing, another savvy move, lefty. You can rely on him. Caleb Smith, this guy is a Rule 5 pick. So that means, well, he's from AA. That was his highest level of competition prior to... 2017. So if he, if the Cubs want to keep him, they have to keep him on their roster, the big league roster, 25-man roster, all season long. So obviously he's going to be probably a mop-up guy. I remember Hector Rondon as a, as a Rule 5 guy, and back in, I believe it was like 2011, 2012, somewhere around there, I was like, get this guy off the team. He's terrible. But look where he is now. Probably one of the better relievers in baseball, and that didn't really show it last year, dealt with some injuries, but still. Over the longevity of a 162-game season, you got to get there, got to get to the end. And still, this back end with Rondon and Strope, and even the emergence of Carl Edwards Jr., that's that's pretty solid. Then you go out and get a Wade Davis. They traded Jorge Soler for Wade Davis straight up. I really love the move. Davis was dealing with some arm problems last year. I guess his physicals and his health checked out for the Cubs to make this move, and they did, and he's still one of the best relievers in the game. Obviously, injuries are a concern, but he, he seems to be fully healthy, and you got to believe that. And until otherwise, this guy's going to be dominant because he's been dominant throughout his career since he turned into a reliever. 2015, got the last out in the World Series. He's been there before. That's what the Cubs need. You saw it last year in the playoffs, the importance of a lockdown bullpen. Now, they don't have the luxury to just send out Chapman and get, get eight outs in a game or whatever and throw them every single day. That's not going to happen anymore. So I'm really interested to see how they kind of structure their roster as the season progresses. I'm sure they're going to be active at the deadline, but we're not even there yet. We're not even at the end of the regular season. Right now, I wanted to talk about the Cubs because, yes, the rotation, specifically their fifth starter, is going to be in question. Right now, it's Mike Montgomery. Mike Montgomery, out of the bullpen, hurts the Cubs more than if he was in the bullpen, obviously, in my opinion. Mike Montgomery as a fifth starter will get you by. I I have really no qualms about it other than the fact that he's so valuable in the bullpen. Without him in the bullpen, you got to rely on guys like Justin Grimm and and Caleb uh, I'm sorry, Carl Edwards Jr. So if they go out and get a guy they're linked to Tyson Ross right now and Tyson Ross missed the entirety of the 2016 season 
he had shoulder surgery, and that's concerning for sure. The Padres not tendered him, so he's a free agent. And the Cubs are, well, I'm guessing he's going to want like 12 mil if they go for a year, multi-year deal. If they're going to sign Tyson Ross, they may have to go out on a limb and, and sign him to a multi-year deal. He's only 29. I believe he's going to be 30 sometime, obviously. Uh, and he's going to be 30 by the time he's entering his 30-year-old season. He's born in April, so he'll be 30 in 2017. Do you want to give him a four-year deal? It may have to uh, be what it takes to get it done because 20 teams are in on Tyson Ross. And this guy's electric. When he's healthy and he's on, he's a legit starter. If you talk about your rotation, then suddenly with one more year of Arietta, because I believe Arietta is going to be gone after this season, you have Lester Hendricks, Lackey, and Tyson Ross. How can you lose? Really? That's that's consistent. You just and the Cubs were really they were gifted last year, right? With their health, especially in their rotation, they just just put like throughout the entire season. It was the, I believe it was the only team the Cubs were to start a consistent five man all the way until August or so, and then they were like, okay, we have a fifteen game lead, let's add in a sixth starter. You know what I mean? So, uh, y- you got to take what you can get, and they're lucky, obviously. But I don't know how lucky they're going to be again next season. But if you talk about on paper, you add a Tyson Ross, whew, man, they're they're suddenly that much better. Then you can put Mike Montgomery back in the bullpen and assume the role of someone that they did lose was like Travis Wood. Travis Wood was a huge part of the Chicago Cubs team and why they got to the World Series. So that's something to keep an eye on. I, I hope the Cubs are in. I, they, they are reportedly in on Tyson Ross, and I do hope that they sign him because – I'm looking at the free agents right now in the uh, starting pitching market, and it's not not enticing whatsoever. I mean, Doug Fister, he's 32. Evoli, bad. He's hurt all the time. Chris Medlin, no. Guthrie, no. He's 37. I mean, Linscombe, absolutely not. Ruby De La Rosa, bad. Kyle Loesch, bad. 38. Vogelsong, I don't know. Bad. Fredo Simon, absolutely not. Dylan G, I don't know. I'm just looking. Matt Latos, Eric Johnson, yeah, I don't think so. So we'll see. We'll see what the Cubs end up doing. Time will tell. They're in no rush, really. There's so much time before spring training begins, and it's unfortunate because I'm looking forward to it so much. 2017 season, the Chicago Cubs is going to be so fun because you look at the way their lineups come, and I spent a lot of time on their bullpen and their starting rotation. We're going to move on to their lineup right now. And that's what has been consistently dominant all throughout the season. One of the best hitting teams. Their entire infield was an all-star. <laughs> Whether you agree or not, that's the fact. Their entire infield produced an all-star. So what are you going to do with a healthy Schwarber? And you lose Dexter Fowler to St. Louis, which hurts. It does. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the Cardinals just gained a, you know one of the pro- prolific on-base guys, a guy who has such command of the strike zone at the plate that he's he's almost impossible to get out sometimes. He's one of the top on-base percentage guys in baseball. It sucks. However, the Cubs are covered. You know, they have a young Albert Omora Jr. who's just chomping at the bit to get regular playing time at the big leagues. And then they go out and sign John Jay, who said he will mentor Albert Omora Jr. He's got uh, MLB experience, and John Jay's not a bad signing at all. You know, he's a safe guy to throw out there in center field. 
But I wouldn't be surprised, guys. I wouldn't be surprised to see Chris Bryant or Javi Baez get time in center field this season at all. Bryant can do it all. And so can Javi. And I mention that because Javi needs to get at least 400 plate appearances this year. And how are you going to do that? How are you going to fill playing time with this Cubs team? Because you look at it, Bryant, Russell, Zobrist, Rizzo in the infield, Schwarber, Almora slash John Jay, and Jason Hayward in the outfield. And then you throw in Zobrist in the outfield as well. You throw Chris Bryant in the outfield as well. Javi Baez in the outfield as well. But Baez will most likely stay in the infield because that's where he's most valuable. And Jason Hayward uh, coming off. Literally anything better than what you got from Jason Hayward at the play last year is a win. I mean, he, he came in, had that $184 million speech uh, during the rain delay in Game 7, won the World Series. Okay. I mean, you, you can't argue the fact that the point of getting these guys, right, like Lester, Hayward, Lackey, was to win a World Series. Zobrist, and they did it. So I, I guess I can't really complain about Jason Hayward's contract, except, boy, I'm going to be pissed if, if he just keeps beating the ball into the ground to the second baseman over and over again next season, because I don't want to see that. I see that he's trying to change his swing a little bit, dropped his hands. He's more upright on his finish. We'll see. A lot of time before spring training begins. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. But I look at this Cubs team. There's so much depth and versatility yet again. They just got to stay healthy, and they're going to be in. They're going to be in. Straight up. Wilson Contreras. I didn't even mention Wilson Contreras. He's going to be your everyday catcher. With Montero as your backup. How about that? Man. Cubs are stacked again. Cubs are likely the favorite in the NL. Over on the AL side, I mean, people are rooting for the Cubs-Boston Red Sox matchup, you know what I mean? Because of the history and obviously the lure of the two franchises. I don't know about the Red Sox yet. I still have to crown the Indians the team to beat in the AL. They're getting Carrasco and Salazar back. They're all in, apparently, on Edwin Encarnacion. Imagine if they sign Encarnacion. You get back Michael Brantley as well? That team is stacked. Tyler Naquin. Abraham Almonte. Jose Ramirez at third, Francisco Lindor, arguably arguably the best shortstop in baseball, in my opinion. Kipnis, ah, man, this, I don't know. I don't know how you can say that the Red Sox are better than the Indians at this point. I know Chris Sale and Rick Porcello, Cy Young guy, and all David Price, I get it. I get it. But I'm still looking at the Indians as a team to beat. So if I had to say right now, I would say Cubs-Indians World Series round two in 2017. All right, guys, if you're still listening to blogtalkradio.com backslash most valuable podcast, uh, this is behind the pen, and we appreciate you sticking around for the entire thing. I hope I've entertained you to this point. I'm going to move on now to my next topic and your favorite topic. I know it is, fans, and that's the Chicago Bears. God, talking about the Bears again. I talk about the Bears a lot. And if you're on YouTube, what's up, guys? Drop a like down below if you could. I really appreciate it. Tell me how much of an idiot I am in the comments. It's cool. It's cool. I see it. I see it. I see you guys. Uh, but let's talk about the Chicago Bears and the state of Chicago Bears right now. 3-11. and Made a reaction video after the Packers game where they lost 30-27. to some, some hot topics here, right? I, I guess in the Chicago Bears organization. Uh, Matt Barkley is one of them. Kyle Fuller is another. You got... Some inconsistencies in terms of reports relating to their defensive coordinator, their genius. Apparently, 
uh, Vic Fangio might be gone after this season, and I don't really buy it. I mean, this was a report in the Tribune. Mike Mulligan, he does a really good job. He's close with the Chicago Bears. However, legitimately, if the Bears lose Vic Fangio, they are, oh man, that would that would just that would just hurt so much. So much. I mean, one of the main reasons why this Bears team is relatively optimistic for, you know, the coming seasons is because Vic Fangio has turned a lot of young defensive players, undrafted players, into legitimate caliber NFL players. And you look at it and his schemes, guys, like he's the reason why the Bears are in the top 10 in total defense. Obviously, it helps that their front seven is getting to the quarterback finally. It hasn't been that way in years. Going back to Mel Tucker, my goodness, Mel Tucker. But going back, this is one of the most productive front sevens in a long time that we've seen. We're actually seeing them sack guys. We're actually seeing linebackers and defensive linemen get into the backfield. And this is even without Eddie Goldman. This is without Jerrell Freeman and Danny Trevathan. And this is impressive. We're seeing guys like Craven LeBlanc, Bryce Callahan, stepping up and becoming guys that you can rely on. Now, Bryce Callahan's always hurt, similar to Marquise Wilson. But if, Mar- if Bryce Callahan can somehow just stay on the damn field, he will have a spot on this Bears team as a starter, whether it's in the nickel, whether it's a, it's a, a man on, a man-on-man corner. I mean, people had concerns about Callahan being that guy, but he emerged. He said, well, at this point, we got to see what you can do, the Bears said. And we, and we see it as fans that Callahan's been their most consist, consistent cover guy. Solid tackler as well. Now, Craven LeBlanc, I was like, who is this? Who is this man? I didn't know his name. For three games of the first, uh, what, however long he was on the, on the field, I think he emerged a little bit after the first quarter of the season. I was like, who is this guy? But he's physical. He reminds me of Tim Jennings a little bit. You know, his frame, the way he gets after... Uh, you know, his his receiver, his cover guy. But, I mean, he's not a, he's an undrafted free agent. And I talk about these players specifically because Ryan Pace is entering his third year of the draft, and I, and I say this a lot, and this is going to be his most important, critical, that Ryan Pace puts together a successful draft. He has to. Because the progression of the Chicago Bears has kind of been halted a little bit. Obviously, it's we've seen it regress. You know, John Fox... <laughs> And another thing, too, I, I'm sorry I keep digressing here, but I mentioned John Fox, and what I've been reading, and I listen to guys close to the industry, like the Chicago Bears, and they're, they know what they're talking about, and I'm just relaying what they're saying. It's not me pretending like I have an inside track, and I don't like to pretend that I know what I'm talking about. I just want to make that clear. I talk about stuff that I, and I am confident in talking about. And when I say this, you gotta you got to take me seriously here. Because what I'm hearing and what I'm listening to and what I'm reading, John Fox is not liked within Hallis Hall. And I think that is really, that's been the start. Uh, well, really, it's been the start. That's how it's been for him. He came into Chicago and really wasn't interested in making friends in the building. And pretty much, Ryan Pace is a first-year GM, and John Fox, this you know, 30-plus experience type NFL head coach in the NFL. I mean, he's not 30-plus, you know what I mean. But John Fox says, oh, I got this. Take a back seat, son. I will take care of everything. We don't see Ryan Pace ever at all. 
He doesn't explain to us the current state of Chicago. He doesn't explain the current state of thinking. And, and, and John Fox doesn't either. John Fox gives us garbage all the time about whatever. Talk about injuries. You talk about the Vic Fangio reports. You talk about the outside consultant reports. He's like, uh, nah, don't worry about it. It's nothing. Of course, it's of course it's nothing to you. What are you gonna say? Like, it, it, it's just frustrating. Really, the most frustrating part of it for me is I want to know what's going on with these guys who are hurt and what's going on and why they are always hurt. But I mean, you, what are you gonna do in terms? Uh, guys are gonna get hurt. That happens. But tell us. Explain to us what's going on. He doesn't do that. I feel like we're always talking to a brick wall with this guy. And he's most likely going to be back. I mentioned on one of my previous Bears videos that he signed a three-year deal. I I was wrong. Call me out on it. It's fine. I was wrong. He signed a four-year deal. So he'll be entering his third season next year. And I guess there's really no rumblings within the industry that he will be fired. So I'm assuming he's going to be back. Ryan Pace will be back as well. But Ryan Pace has an opportunity now. And if the Bears... Manage to lose their next two games, and even if they don't, you know they win one, or even hell, they win both. I doubt it. But if they do, they're going to still be in the top ten of the draft. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for the Bears to take guy, maybe like Jonathan Allen. That's a game changer. That's somebody that you need to do to take take a jump on. Can you rely on Ryan Pace in this draft? You're going to have to, obviously. Now, a little bit critical, yeah, on Ryan Pace, I am. And be honest. But this is it for him. This is huge. And this Bears progression, you talk about really the state and, and if they're going to be good anytime soon, they could be. They could be. Now, I'm not going to go out on a limb like I did last year and say, oh, this Bears team is going to go 10-6. and six. I saw so much positive uh, positivity last year for me to say, yeah, 10-6. and six. And I had my reasons, guys. Before you bash me on that prediction, I had my reasons. Go back and listen. You'd be like, oh, okay, I can see where you're coming from. That's all I'm, that's all I'm saying. You can see why I made that conclusion. I wasn't blindly saying, oh, Bears 10 6 Bears no Super Bowl. No. I, I saw legitimate progression and optimism in this team going into 2016. And that a lot of it related to the confidence I had in the quarterback position. However, we all know what, how that turned out. And it looks like that maybe it'll be Jay Cutler's final appearance in a Bears uniform very soon. Interesting, interesting stuff. Now, let me ask you guys this. I want to throw you guys this question. Bears have the fourth pick in the draft. Okay? And the Patriots are there wanting to trade for Garoppolo. Or they're willing to trade Garoppolo. If you're the Chicago Bears, do you give up a first-round pick and then a future pick, whatever it is, a third, maybe, not in this draft, maybe next year, for Garoppolo? Because I would... I would in a heartbeat. That automatically accelerates the time frame of you to be relevant if you get Jimmy Garoppolo. And you're talking about a guy with his skill set, he would be the number one overall pick in the draft this year if he was still a rookie. Guarante- well, you know what I'm saying? If he was a draft pick. Absolutely. That's the guy to get. Now, I know that's unfair to say because he already has NFL experience, but you know, in the limited amount that he's been in the game... And the fact that he's been coached under Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, and one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach in the NFL, and Bill Belichick, you go out and make that move. You know he's got the skill. You know he's got the smarts to play the quarterback position. And suddenly you have a franchise guy. And if you want to take a a playmaker in the first round, it's not going to be a quarterback in this draft. 
You're not going to get Trubisky. It's not going to happen. You're not going to take a chance on Deshaun Watson. There's too many questions. Deshaun Kaiser, even. There's way too many questions there. Now, I'm not saying it's a long shot. I, I, the way the Chicago Bears franchise and the way the things have been going with the Chicago Bears, I highly doubt it. However, it's something to ponder. And if you, if you get Garoppolo, and I'm not trying to be a meatball here, but it, it would totally change the direction of this franchise, and suddenly they're in the middle of being good again. Because this defense is almost already there. They just got to figure out what's going on on the offensive side of the ball. And that relates to the guy making the calls on that side too, right? Like Dow Loggins. What, what, what can you say about Dow, Dow Loggins so far? How much confidence do you have in him? Because I don't have much, really. And this also goes back to John Fox. John Fox, before the season, says, oh, what are you talking about? Adam Gase is calling, that's fine. We got the same offensive style and the same offensive philosophy. We're going to be fine. It's the same thing. Does this look, obviously there's little tweaks here and there, but this does this look like the Adam Gase offense to you? Because it doesn't to me at all. I mean, they're going downfield much more. They're really shying away from the run, like quickly. And when you talk about an offensive coordinator, for a guy who's never done it before, and you ask him suddenly to come into the NFL, right, first-year offensive coordinator, you have to be on point with everything. Like, you have to be three steps ahead all the time. It's tough. I mean, so he's had good games, but I just don't I don't have it. I don't have the feel in Dow Loggins to be the guy that you want to rely on. And does that mean you got to fire him? Another offensive coordinator that you got to turn over? I doubt it. The conservative nature of the Chicago Bears and the way John Fox runs things, in that because it is a John Fox run uh, operation, he's not going anywhere. So... That's that's what the Bears got to deal with. Now, I talk about Matt Barkley a little bit. Matt Barkley is doing well, right? I'd like to see him win a game, you know, against a, against a team that's, you know, above average and not the 49ers. And I'd also like to see him manage a game when he's winning, right? I mean, what's a main reason why he's always posting these top stats? It's because they're down and he's coming. Obviously, you know, four-minute offense, he feels good about it. Two-minute offense, you know, it's basic sub-packages, not even sub it's just basic packages in the defensive side, basic zone coverage, you know, it doesn't really change much when you're in a no huddle. So that's that's not a knock on him. That's good that he's able to stay poised and recognize the defense. He's a smart player, smart at the quarterback position. He deserves a chance to be a starter in the NFL, whether it's the Bears or, or elsewhere. However, he can't be the guy that you want to rely on. There's absolutely no way. You're, you're, you're kidding yourselves. Matt Barkley's done some good things. He's made some NFL throws, some big throws. Uh, one that immediately comes to mind was the potential game winner to Deontay Thompson, the one he dropped on fourth down a while back, a few games ago. I forget, was that Titans game? Yeah. That was an NFL elite throw. That was, that was a, he, and he's had multiple. However, he's not an NFL type franchise player that you want to start your friend, obviously. Obviously, I hope everybody can understand that. And I, I, I mean, he's okay. And don't forget about Connor Shaw, guys. Connor Shaw, people were in love with Connor Shaw in the preseason before he broke his leg. Connor Shaw is going to be here again too, or at least I hope so. So he has a chance to beat out Barkley this off season. I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. However, Barkley is going to be a restricted free agent, so the Bears have, you know, a, a slight edge here. Well, not a slight, a big time edge here. They can put a first round pick on this guy and you know what I mean so 
I'm assuming Matt Barkley is going to be the guy, at least for now, uh, going into next season, unless something changes. I don't I don't think Jay Cutler is going to come back. John Fox really didn't like him from the start. I mean, he was forced to stick with him. So, and I'm not I'm not going to talk about Jay Cutler anymore. I'm sorry. Like, I get it. You guys think he sucks, which I completely disagree with. But that's fine. I'm I'm done with that, and I'm I just I'm done I'm done with it. I, I'm so done with it. I'm ready to move on from Jay Cutler, and I'm ready to move on from this conversation. I hope finally the Bears can make some sort of decision to solidify the quarterback position, like they did with Cutler. They went out and got a guy that they believed could lead them to the promised land. He had an opportunity to do so. However, in my opinion, he was a victim of circumstance throughout his tenure in the Chicago Bears. But they went out and got a guy. Now, I hope the Bears go out and get a guy. Maybe it's Garoppolo. Maybe it's another quarterback. However, when you draft a quarterback in this draft, it better not be in the first round. And it better be someone in the middle rounds, obviously, but like someone that you can re- you actually believe can step in and develop into an NFL-caliber franchise quarterback. And I don't know. Is he going to come out of this draft? It's going to be tough. Obviously, I'm not a pro draft scout, and things are going to change Once the college football season's done, the combine gets going. Obviously, the combine's huge, and things are going to be. I'm going to have plenty more content on the Chicago Bears' potential drafts and strategies and and whatnot. You can stay tuned, Most Valuable Podcast here. We're going to be all over it this year for the draft, so be sure to stick around. But like I said, it's going to be a telling time in the Chicago Bears. There's going to be a lot of things going on this offseason that I'm looking forward to. For right now, lose the next two games. They got the Redskins and they got the Vikings. And given the last, you know, however they've been playing, the both those teams, Bears could win them both. Especially since the Bears are actually playing hard, which is really good to see, even when they're three and eleven and bad. So all right. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, it's already been forty five minutes. It's been like uh, it's been so fun to talk to all of you. I hope you enjoyed the entirety of this podcast. If you were listening, all the way through on blogtalkradio.com backslash most valuable podcast. You guys are the best. You guys are the MVPs. Uh, if you're on YouTube, what's up, guys? Appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening, commenting. Drop a like if you could. Appreciate it. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already. Most valuable podcast. We're on iTunes as well. Download our podcast on iTunes. Also, follow me on Twitter at Rankin906. Follow us as a whole at Most Available Pod. And stick around for what we have in store for you in the future. We're going to have so much more coverage, specifically once the draft gets going. Hopefully you guys enjoy that. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind the Pen. And as always, we'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.